Hey guys, welcome to the Bag and Broadcast, episode number 409. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being the Week in Geek, bringing you the top geek stories the past week. Next is the list, the comic books that we are looking forward to coming out June 10th, 2020. Wow. We're getting into it, guys. It's June already. Yeah. And we follow that up with our weekly rotating main topic. And this week we're bringing you part 12 of our great Marvel movie retrospective. We're going to be talking about 2015's Ant-Man. The closing final breaths of uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe's phase two. We did it, guys. We did it. We did it. Great. You know what? I remember when it it happened? It was exciting. It was exciting. It was five years ago. You know what? I think... uh, I think that deserves a drink. Yes. Uh, and, uh, I already finished my drink. Well, Paul, what did you already drink? I drink um, the UFO. Yeah, show, show us on the camera. Yeah, I did. So the Georgia for, Peach. for those of you listening at listening at home or wherever you are, your car, blah, 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 uh, we always just record over Skype. This is the first time we've ever actually had our cameras on during the show. Like We usually have like our pre-show banter where we'll have our webcams on and well, we're doing it now because Paul officially got a camera. Yeah. So now we can see Paul. Because yeah, we just I, felt there was something shady going on. We couldn't <laughs> see him. I, I always thought he had his shirt off, and now I confirm, yes. Yes, he does. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I got that little bit of uh, chest hair. Just enough. Just showing enough. Uh, I'm So I'm drinking the UFO uh, Georgia Peach. It's a refreshing Hefeweizen with a... Right off the peach tree flavor, and I have to say, yes, yes, it does have a right off the peach tree flavor. It's it's straight up nice Georgia peach, uh, very refreshing, very drinkable. Uh, drank it really quickly. Um, still had a little bit of you know, I still felt like I was drinking a beer, unlike uh, last week when I was talking about the grapefruit eight days a week, where I felt like it was just like very light artificial grapefruit flavor. I felt like it was just a like a seltzer water. This had that mouthfeel that I still felt like I was drinking, you know, a, a beer. Uh, and this felt like I was drinking a half of Eisen with peach. And that's what I'm looking for in a fruited beer. So I appreciate this from uh, UFO. You're welcome. And thank you, John, for picking it out for me. 4.8% alcohol by volume. And if you're wondering what the BTUs are, you can go screw yourself and get bent. Because uh, you know so, why. so sidebar question, yeah, John. Uh, when you guys are having your beer discussion in our like text messaging thread, I saw that you do have the Bell's Fruit Fight. Yes, what's it called? Have you tried that yet? Um, I tried it. I tried. I saw it that last at my year. beer store, and I I haven't had it yet, but I wasn't sure about picking up like a whole six pack of it. Because I Bell's is usually really good, but I wasn't sure about like a fruited like ale from them. So two years ago, they put out Amazing Larry, which was just I think just a just a sour, uh, unfruited. Um, and then last year they they fruited it, and I think it's the same fruits. Um, I think it's passion fruit, mm. passion fruit, and something else. Um, and this this year it's passion fruit and something else. I I imagine it's the same fruit um but it was actually a better it was a bigger hit with the fruit to it 
Um, but I haven't had it. I had it last year. I, okay. I don't, and I don't remember. Because again, like, I'm intrigued by it, and I I want to check it out. Because you know, it was when good. I, I when mean, I lived in Grand Rapids, Bell's was kind of one of those go to beers because like they just they have all of Bell's stuff everywhere, and I can get most of their things here, but it was only available as like the six pack case, and I. I didn't know how I felt about picking up like a whole six packs or something that I wasn't going to be a hundred percent on. I I remember it just being, it's a solid, solid fruited okay. beer. Maybe, maybe next episode for 10. I'll, I'll have that one. I'll and try for, to go like fruit I mean, beers. Nine ninety nine for a six pack. Enjoyable, not over a powering sour. It's, I think it's good. Okay. Duly noted. Chris, what are you drinking, bud? Uh, I'm drinking a beer that we've actually your, all had. Your third your third one? I am on my official third can in the 45 minutes uh, <laughs> since we started our call. And this is coming from Cigar City Brewing uh, here in Tampa. This is their fancy papers. Uh, <clears throat> back in February when you guys were down here, and we actually went to Cigar City. We got a tour of the brewery. We all got to try this directly from the tank from the head brewer over there. And it was absolutely fantastic. And ever since that moment, anytime that I've gone to my beer store, I've been like, do they have fancy papers? Do they have fancy papers? And it just hasn't been available on the shelf. Lo and behold, when I went the other day, finally, fancy papers was available. And this is a 6.5% ABV hazy IPA uh, brewed with Strata and Idaho 7 hops. Um, But everything that... I loved about this beer when we had it fresh from the tank. It still lives here in the can. Like it's absolutely fantastic. I think the six pack of this at my beer store was twelve ninety nine. Again, forty five minutes into our Skype call, six minutes, whatever. I I can't see into the episode. I'm on my third one. This beer is absolutely fantastic. Super crushable. It's got just a great like tropical fruit pop to it. Nice hazy IPA. Holding up to the camera. You guys can see it. You had it. You mm. had it out of the tank with me. Guys, we shared I, this. I wish I, you were here I so bought I could a six share pack it there. again. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, fancy Papers, Cigar City Brewing. Uh, I said it before. Going to reiterate it now. I'm, I want to go back to my beer store on my next day off. I'm hoping they have more of this because this is going to be my fridge beer. Just we're officially in summertime somehow. Don't know how that happened. Uh, I want to have this just so I can grab one, crack it open, sit on my patio, read a comic book, read a word book. I don't know. I just, I'm loving it. Fantastic. Um, I haven't checked into it yet on untapped. Whatever I check into it when we're actually there, I feel like it, it wasn't high enough. I love this beer. This is probably like four and a half, four point seven five. Like this is this is a go to IPA for me now. Nice, Johnny. Uh, and I'm drinking. I'm drinking from uh, Threes Brewing, which has really jumped on my radar in the in quarantine because uh, I've been picking up all their stuff. I've really liked them, and I grabbed their Pilsner, which is called uh, Vlet which is named after the Pilsner malt that they're using. This is 5.1, and uh, it's just really nice. It is a 
seriously just a really great drinking beer. Um, I think when Chris was almost finished with his beer, so was I. And I was like, yeah, this is just – I'm just crushing it. It's just uh, really enjoyable. It's got that nice crisp breadiness that you want out of a Pilsner versus just like that watered-down Labatt's kind of no-taste Pilsner. Of course, is Labatt's a Blondale or is it a Pilsner? I think it's a Pilsner. I think it's a – yeah, I don't remember. Something stupid. I'm on untapped right now. I can – Search for it and see what it pops up. Um, I was, it is a Pilsner. A Pilsner. Is it a Pilsner? Yeah. yeah. Labatt Blue uh, Pilsner. Uh, averaging at a 2.9. Ooh. Labatt Blue Light, 2.79. Uh, but no, I really, en- I really enjoyed it. Um, it'd be a beer I'd pick up again, uh, but I probably wouldn't pick up the four-pack because it's overpriced for a Pilsner. It's, I think it's coming in at thirteen ninety nine for four pack tall boys. Um, I grabbed this in a sampler to try it. Uh, I brought it in because I wanted to try it. So I kind of did my own thing there, but uh, I like it. Um, I have another Pilsner from a local brewery that I'm going to be drinking after this. And uh, let's hope it holds up and is as good as three's Pilsner. Hmm. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you. Uh, and you know what else holds up our show? Is our weekly trips out to the news garden. Oh, yeah, yes. I, I like the fact that now that the cameras are officially in, like you can see, normally I gesture like this when we're just recording anyways, but now there's an audience for it. Uh, guys, not a lot of news this week. Uh, well. Something that came out, like we did get the Eisner nominations. Uh, even though we don't have a San Diego Comic-Con this year, they did announce some of the stuff uh, for the Eisner Awards. Uh, I took a look at it. Really, not much that kind of falls onto our onto our raiders. There's nothing real that we were picking up or creators that are kind of our go tos, like those locks that we normally get. So I I don't have a lot to say about it. But I don't. I think this might be one of those years where I'm paying more attention to the winners just to see what's what books we should have been reading. Because maybe that's stuff that we should read. Because even through all this, like. Before the quarantine started, my big thing was like, no, I'm going to use this time to sit down. I'm going to start reading all those books that I haven't had a chance to read. I'm going to catch up on my staff. Uh, all well and good till you're furloughed. You don't have any income coming in. You're worried about stuff. It takes a month and a half for you to get unemployment. And then you're like, well, oh, I don't want to spend any of that money just yet. Um, mm-hmm. But now that I'm back to work, it's like, game on, guys. Here we go. <laughs> That's a better head, John. Thank you. Yeah, uh, the Eisners, I I just don't pay attention to them. Like, I couldn't tell you any winner ever uh, of any of the Eisner books or creators. Uh, Brian K. Vaughn for, like, everything he's done. (laughs) (laughs) Forever. Uh, I think even, like, he didn't win one year, but um, what's her name from Saga kept winning? Um, for cover, for cover and artist, which that book uh, you, needs Chris, to you said come it. Back. I don't know if it came through, but you said Fiona Staples. Fiona Staples. I heard him. I hardly heard him. So Ooh, John, I wanted to make sure the podcast. Careful heard. with that. So, people are petitioning Marvel Comics 
and also uh, picked up by the creator of the Punisher, Jerry Conway, to petition police departments to no longer allow them to use the Punisher symbol uh, on uniforms. That's something that just, you know, some police officers have been doing. And so this is news to me because, again, it's trademarked. How were they able to? Because they shouldn't have been able to before. I think it, it came out of um, American Sniper because the American in that, in that movie. And I think that Patrol was using the Punisher skull or a skull like the Punisher skull as a symbol. And then everyone took it from that movie. And started putting it on stuff. I I never saw it. I'm really bad at watching movies and reading comic books, though, so that makes yeah. sense. It had a real fake baby in it. Oh. So it wasn't like a fake a real baby. baby. Alive? What's that? Like it, a baby alive kind of doll? Or like it was, what Chris said. Hey, it was a, it was a, a real fake baby. It was a bad looking fake baby it was a boiled looked, bag of flour okay yeah gotcha. <laughs> and he was like Whoa, baby then it was like jiggling its head to make it look alive oh, uh, <laughs> anywho uh yeah i mean i i think so definitely uh the police force shouldn't be wearing the punisher skull yeah that's again not the proper attire for the police department who's supposed to be you know, beholden to the law and order, like Punisher is a vigilante, he's there doing terrible things, like that shouldn't be the goal he's supposed to be the one beating up the bad cops, so if you're a cop and you see something bad happen and you're wearing the Punisher skull then you're the one that has to stop it you're unfortunately, problem. we're we're not seeing that right now. You're and getting the popsicle to the back. I don't remember much Punisher stuff. Punisher's <laughs> not one of my go-to books. I just remember that from the book and then like the Tom Jane movie. Yeah, cops don't be dicks. Yeah, yeah. that's not a hot take. But Nobody be a dick. Everybody should be nice. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, be cool. There's no reason to be a dick about anything. And that's not... We gotta go I'll say, we that's, gotta, that's not we a political statement. Just don't be a dick, no matter who you are. You know better. If you're doing something and you think, hey, does this make me a dick? Yeah. Stop what you're doing. And Stop then do it. the opposite. <laughs> exactly. I'll drink to that. Yeah. Uh, you guys know uh, I did because you could see me on camera. <clears throat> In other news, um, we have um, WB coming out to say, or the producers from the Batwoman show saying that they are not recasting Cassandra Kane, that it'll be a new character. I'm not saying who it is. Can't, wait, can't, Kathy Kane. Sorry. That's okay. Cassandra Kane's. That girl, oh, right, right. aka Orphan. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think she's a third back girl because technically it's Barbara Gordon. Then Helena Bertinelli was back girl for a little bit oh, during right. the No Man's Land and then Cassandra Kane. Yeah. 
Um, she came Bama. in. Ah, I think it's odd. I think they should just recast her. I don't think the show is that big of a hit where people are going to be like, "Hey, what happened?" If it just people keep <laughs> this called the character Batwoman and Kathy Kane, like, boom, she's the character. You know, people will get it. I think putting a new character. What does it matter? It's not. It's not they Batwoman. Had, it's not Batwoman anywhere. They just had Crisis on Infinite Earths happen inside the Arrowverse this past season. They said uh, they already came out and said that the Arrowverse, since you know Greenland, uh, Green Arrow is no longer around, that they were going to do a smaller mini crossover event for this upcoming season, especially now with COVID nineteen happening and. Nobody's sure when they can get back up to Vancouver and start shooting again. Uh, they And they were really planning on doing like a world's finest between Supergirl and Batwoman. So maybe they figured out a cool story to tell in that story, you know, that leads up to that or something. Like, I'm trying to think that maybe it's story focused and not just like, meh, we, we can't cast another because they said they wanted to first cast another LGBTQ actress in that role, and they were going to do it as you know, keep her with Kathy Kane. And now that they backtracked, that I'm have I'm hoping it's a story reason and not just a well, we can't cast a girl that looks like you know uh, Ruby Red so or Ruby Rose. I Rose Ruby. Ruby Rose, you're right. I. Again, I haven't watched any of it. We talked about this last episode. I I think you could just do the TV thing. You cast someone else in that role. Shuffle it off. Like, continue on with your story. I haven't been following the show, so I don't know how dependent on it. Well, I guess I... I know Batwoman was an integral part of the Batwoman show. <laughs> but I don't know how dependent on Ruby Rose portraying Batwoman the show actually was. So maybe they took a look and they couldn't like find someone else to fit that role and just were like, we'll scrap it. We'll bring in another character to be Batwoman. But at that point, what, does it matter who's Batwoman? Because you're just, it's all made up anyways. Like, yeah, it's based off the comic books, but you can do whatever you want. Like, I have no issues with them just saying, hey, this person is now playing this role. Someone completely different. As long as they're able to step into the role, they might look different, but they're able to bring the same tenacity, character. If they can bring it to life, that's fine. I don't need the same actor. I mean, again, to kind of jump to like the closest thing I can think about, over in Christopher Nolan's like Dark Knight, the Batman Begins universe, whatever you want to call it. We had Katie Holmes in the first movie, but then she was Maggie Gyllenhaal in the other ones. Didn't matter. Like It was a character that was there, portrayed it the same way. That's fine. I don't think the trilogy suffered for someone else stepping into that role. No skin off my back. Like, it was... They were still all enjoyable movies, so... I'm kind of curious... It is weird because I did watch the 
not this Crisis on Infinite Earths miniseries, but the miniseries that led into introducing Batwoman, uh, Ruby Rose's character, into the Arrowverse. And she did seem like a character that was kind of out of place. Wait, what? what? John with, with his recordings. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, but Ruby Rose did seem... Uh, that that Ruby Rose Batwoman character did seem out of place a little bit because she was so dour and dark. And even Green Arrow got a little bit more fun. Uh, and you had the Flash running around and Supergirl that are very bright. So maybe they're just taking go this as a chance to... You know, they couldn't reintroduce the same character because they want to introduce more fun or more light. So maybe, okay, so maybe she, they feel was, like she just didn't work. And it is weird that we went to Gotham to look for Batman, and they couldn't find Batman. And there was this new mysterious person that took over for for Batman, and that's Batwoman. And now we're going to have a new mysterious character take the place of Batwoman, who's not... You know, so it's like already just one season in, like instead of just recasting. Yeah, and they just revealed like Hush looks like Bruce Wayne in it. Oh, that's cool. Like it's, um, so then we we know what Bruce Wayne looks like because Hush looks like him. But it seems like they had a lot of cool things that all of a sudden now they're going to have to change because those characters aren't going to know each other. That villain's not going to know. Batwoman when they fight again or just the people who are watching have to that they might not come back and I think maybe that's what they're going after like if we change actresses maybe they won't come back but I think if you change characters they might yeah that's so much more of a detriment to your story because now you're just like cutting and running like you're slashing and burning because I, I haven't even watched any of these episodes, but now it just from someone that's familiar with that universe and these characters from the comic books. Like if you're even saying like, well, no, now it's not going to be Batwoman on the Batwoman show, but they're bringing in whoever else. It's like, well, why would I even want to go back and rewatch Batwoman? Because it doesn't. Yeah. That first season doesn't matter. Like, should he, is it now a jumping on point for season two where people that didn't watch season one, feel like they can more easily jump in. Is it on Netflix yet? Like I'm I know I don't think so, but the Flash one. Can we take a pause cuz I stopped again. Yeah, I have is, is there a setting to keep it to record? Yeah. I was just looking at stuff. Like I everybody and Chris in 3 2 1 stop. And we never talk about who's going to pick it up after we take our pauses. But well, why doesn't Paul tell us? Talk why about? doesn't Paul tell us about his? Yeah, Paul can tell us about his blueberry beer. Oh yeah, this is it's nice. It's also from UFO. This is Maine blueberry, a uh, refreshingly crisp and subtle sweet blueberry ale. So this isn't a hefeweizen, and it does feel a little lighter. Uh, and the fl- the blueberry flavor is a lot lighter. I'm going to have to take another sip to really talk about this. So hang on. Yeah, you, you take a little sippy sip. I'm going to fill in that dead air because you never want to have dead air when mm-hmm. you're recording a podcast. It's it's nice. It's refreshing. It's light. 
I get a little bit of the blueberry kind of aftertaste. Granite, blueberry, not the strongest of flavors when you eat them naturally. But you, you get that like kind of earthiness? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little earp- earthiness with that subtle sweetness, which blueberry, as we all know, is my favorite of the berries. Um, and this I is a. I know that. Well, the listeners do. <laughs> it's, it's my do favorite berry, too, Paul. Really? High in iron. Yeah. Um, oh, see, I, I'm, a, I'm a more uh, like a raspberry guy. Mm, tart. I like the raspberries, but uh, you can get tart blueberries. I enjoy a tart mm-hmm. blueberry. And this is a nice, all I'm saying is this is a nice natural blueberry flavor. It's not overly candied and over the top. This is nice and light. If you're looking for a blueberry be- uh, beer, I think you can't go wrong with this one. Like Lizard of Cause, we were very excited for or from founders and i think that let us all down or chris am well, i re- not remembering that no i like that. no because it wasn't terrible but it wasn't everything that i wanted it to be because so much of the, so much of that beer just it sounded great because it was going to be a chocolate blueberry bourbon barrel aged stout it just it had all those notes but it didn't fully deliver on any of them, um, not a terrible beer. Like I think I bought two or three bomber sized bottles of that. Hey, I'm um, oh, sorry. We're on camera now, so, so. we're we're on camera. But Lizard of Cause, it just it wasn't terrible. It didn't fulfill what I wanted it to be. Um, Paul, was that the maple oak that you were showing off there? Uh, John, what is this? This is the uh, rum barrel. That's aged. the uh, rum barrel aged chocolate. That's the one that I. And trivia night. That's the one that took me to task. Uh, you were to infinity and beyond from yes. the get go. I think when we were like telling you, like, no, like this one's older. <laughs> right your yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I got a little. Uh, I got a little carried away with my drink. We all. It happens to all of us. Um, it. It hasn't happened to me yet tonight. I'm on my fifth can of fancy papers because, man, it's just so great and drinkable. And 6.5%. It's super light. Like, it's not a all-day IPA, like, mm-hmm. uh, session beer, but it's light enough that, like, you can crush this, man. I'm probably going to kill this six-pack in one night. I have no reservations about doing that because this beer is fantastic. Hey, you're in phase two down there in Florida. Everything's phase two. Uh, and I'm drinking uh, a classic uh, that just now is coming in um, in four pack Tall Boys versus a four pack twelve ounce bottle. And this is Allagash White, their Belgian style wheat beer, a beer with coriander and orange peel, five point two percent, and. Uh, Delicious, guys. It's um, it is an incredibly solid beer, and it's one of those beers that people always talk about. On like, you talk to different brewers or you talk to different people, Allagash White is usually on their top of their list. It's just something that's super crushable, something they can always go back to, and uh, yeah, I think it's definitely one. The Belgian style wheat beer. I can't say is ultimately one of my favorite, but this is probably one of my number one 
Belgian wheat beers. You know, it's so, I, better than your Blue Moon. I remember loving this beer. I went to go to uh, see what I had. <coughs> Excuse me. Bless you. <coughs> Excuse me. I apologize. Um, I went to go see what I had checked into this beer at on Untapped. I have no check-ins on this beer. So this last time I had this was during that period where I didn't use Untapped. Like, <coughs> I am so sorry. Apologies. I usually try to like mute myself when I sneeze. Um, I have no history of my check-ins on this beer. I do not remember the last time I had one because there was a period between like 2013 and 2014 where I didn't use Untapped on Doll. So it had to have been at least six years since I've had one of these. And there's, I think there's been phases too between the last few years that we've all, oh, Paul's never really been into it, but you and I have fallen off and fallen back on uh, quite a bit. But uh, Chris, I say if you can find it, pick it up. I think you'll, uh, I think you'll be very happy with it. I haven't seen especially the, especially in the here? tall boy. The tall boy format is wonderful. I haven't seen Alagash down here, but it, that also could be a fact that I just haven't looked for it. So, um, it's it's possible. I'll, I'll keep my eye out because, man, I do enjoy a white. I miss that Saranac white a lot, honestly. I like and that's the, been like five years. Saranac and even the Holy Moses white from uh, Great Lakes isn't bad. See, I haven't had that one in forever because I remember not being wowed by that one. So when I was see it would be available, I wouldn't pick it up right. because there were so many other beers from Southern or not Southern Tier. Yeah, well, Great Lakes, Great sorry, Great Lakes. Yeah, because I would rather uh, uh, pick up something like the Alchemy Hour before that. Last year, they put out a variety pack with Holy Moses. So you had Holy Moses White, you had Holy Moses uh, Raspberry, and then they did a uh, a dark wheat beer, which was phenomenal. And I really wish they had brought that um, they had brought that back, or a, did it as something you can just get a six pack of because it was really really good. See those all those all sound pretty good and something I would drink before just like the regular Holy Moses White. Mm-hmm. But something else that sounds really good are the comic books that we have coming out this week. Here we are, June tenth, twenty twenty. Paul, I'm looking at you. you know, for what some, you picking up? For some strange reason, uh, with everything going on, I have the sudden urge to actually go back and read Truth, Red, White, and Black, number one. Uh, this was a series, uh, Marvel miniseries, written by Robert Morales and art by Kyle Baker. Uh, this follows the untold origin of Captain America. Uh, this deals with, uh, I'm forgetting the lead character's name, uh, Isaiah... Uh, 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 Thomas? I think it starts with a B. It's not a big deal, because... We, I, Bradley. Isaiah Bradley, because... Yes, Patriot is his Patriot, grandson. yeah. Uh, yeah. And this is basically, takes off the Tuxiki... 
uh, not the Tuskegee Airmen, not the Tuskegee Airmen, but the Tuskegee uh, treatment or institute where they did back in 1932. They started this whole thing where they basically got 600 uh, African Americans uh, into this research group uh, to study untreated syphilis, and they let syphilis run you know just go and they said oh yeah we're going to treat you for your bad blood which was basically syphilis or uh, sickle cell anemia stuff like that and the researchers never actually treated it they were just studying to see what would happen as syphilis just went through the population Uh, and basically uh, Robert Morales takes that idea of like oh well the United States government would you know, of course, test an unproven serum uh, on black people first before giving it to Captain Steve Rogers. And this star uh, basically tells the story of that. Uh, Isaiah Bradley is the first person to survive getting the uh, super soldier serum. And uh, we go from there. Uh, this was released back in 2003, but, you know, we still live in the same world, so I'm going to go back and read it. I, I never did. I missed it when it first came out, and I, I think I should read it now. So, uh, Great story, because I actually picked this up in the... Because it was a little bit more prestige copy as it was coming out. Like, Because mm-hmm. they were done as... I, I don't even know what they called them then, but it was like the harder harder copy yeah you had the cardstock cover right? yeah it, it was like a, a, a little bit thicker cover and and, and like, then you had those really nice uh pages too yeah the high gloss like, now all comic books have those pages <laughs> but it was like ooh, high gloss pages I, I remember like first going back into reading comic books and like being impressed that things had been upgraded from that kind of like newspaper print news pulp like Paper, uh, but no, fantastic story, and I do appreciate just as a young Avengers fan that they kind of lent that credence to this story by bringing in Elijah Bradley, who became Patriot, um, just not to kind of wipe this story under um, as resonant then as it is now. Because yeah, this is a part of American history, whether you want to acknowledge it or not, and. Fantastic pick! Like, I wouldn't mind going back to this at some point in the in the near future because this is that kind of smart comics that I don't think we pay enough attention to. Well, I picked up all seven issues just today, so it could be a trade-in policy. I'm I'm up for it because those moments that because I read this when it came out, like I bought these. So did I in print. Did you guys read Um, this? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, did you guys read Star Wars Tie Fighter yet? Not yet. All right. Guess what? Paul, Paul, it's up to you to like. You tell us what to read, and we'll do it. Well, as long as it's not X Men. Uh, <laughs> X Men from the eighties. <laughs> <or 70s. laughs> but yeah, there's uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but yeah, I I I dug the story when it was coming out, and then um, I'm I'm blanking out with artist. Is Kyle Baker. Kyle Baker, thank you. Uh, 
Just fantastic, crazy artwork. Like he's a comic artist that doesn't get enough credit, I think, because even like his plastic man stuff that he did was just it's so bonkers and crazy. Like he gets the art form and he works so well within it. Um it's a very good uh, very over the top cartoony style. It's I really like the the Darwin Cook Cook's kind of style of like the pulp cartoony style. He's a more energetic, uh, same you know, very simple line drawing uh, that he has. It, it's not quite uh, Humberto Ramos. No, but, but he's it's, it's like a mix I of Humberto Ramos like- and Darwin. Herbert Ramos is just like crazy frenetic action. I think like the Kyle Baker style art, it's more like that Tex Avery cartoon style, like where it's like, I don't want to say slapsticky, but it's just drawing so much from animation and cartoon comic history that it just. Everybody has an exaggerated facial look. Yeah. You know, everybody's faces. It's very exaggerated. Jono, I'll throw it over to you. Yes. What book are you looking forward to? Uh, I'm actually looking for a new number one. Looking forward to a new number one from Image Comics called Adventure Man. And this is written by Matt Fraction, art by Terry and Rachel Dodson. And this is bringing back Adventure Man, whose final issue... Uh, from like the 40s, closed on a cliffhanger where he bar- battled his arch nemesis, Baron Bazaar. And this takes place after all of this has happened, uh, 80 years after his apparent demise, a single mother and her adventure man fan son, Tommy, uh, get pulled into the world and spark a resurrection where his story ended. And a new one begins. Um, This looks kind of interesting. I am a fan of Matt Fraction. I don't love everything that he's done. But I will usually give him a couple issues um, to see where it's going to go. And this looks like it could be uh, kind of a fun book. Kind of a Doc Savage uh, book. A pulp hero book. And it's being drawn by the Dodsons. We got Dotsons Dotsons over here. So that sounds fun. I I I wouldn't mind that being on the uh, on the look back. Yeah, it probably will be. What was that book that you picked? What was it? Last Gods or what was the one that we all kind of enjoyed last time we did the look back? I think yeah, what was it called? Last Gods. Yeah, the um, was the the basically the the kind of heroes that killed the final boss but really they just sacrificed themselves in order to like just hold back the evilness inside their own body and now and then they set it free mm-hmm. some so many years later for a new team to do it uh okay. yeah that was a good i liked it are you still picking that up or because was... I, I don't know if any other issues have come out oh, okay. since I was wondering if that was going to be a trade in policy. I think I picked up I picked up issue two. I don't know if issue three came out. I got to look for that. 
Let me find out it's, it's by right. signing in to my account here. Mm. You sign into that account. But Chris, uh, you signed what it are in. you looking forward to? Uh, no surprise. You guys know it as friends. I've talked about it multiple times on the show. I have always loved Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, the comic books have been a continuing way to check into this universe. And we're going to be getting a new Buffy the Vampire Slayer kind of spin-off series called Every Generation uh, with Buffy Every Generation number one. And this is actually a book that came out last week, but I missed it. And there's nothing really coming up this week that I'm looking forward to. But this is kind of like that old DC Secret Files and Origins kind of look back at some of the notable slayers. Uh, this is almost like a, not, I don't want to say like a compilation book, but uh, kind of like a greatest hits almost. Well, that feels right. Um, but this is a team of creators coming together, uh, telling the tales of some of the notable slayers throughout history. Uh, Written by Morgan Bream, Lauren Garcia, Alex Guillermes, uh, art by Nyla Magruder, Lauren Knight. Uh, kind of dipping your toe back into some of those Slayers. If you're a fan of the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie, TV series, or comics, you kind of have like a running start when it comes to like this current slate of comic books from Boom Studios because it's almost like a very soft reboot where you have that semblance of knowledge. You're going to get where they're coming from. It's just like that updated take on it. Uh, This is the ultimate universe of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, So they're hitting the ground running. So you're going to see things, you know, but then this book also has first appearance of a new character with a familiar face who will change the way you look at Buffy. Uh, I don't don't know, man. I think I love Buffy more than, people probably should because it's just one of those like pop culture franchises that, you know, you're walking past the snack table and you see it there and you're like, Ooh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Take a couple of this, put it on my uh, paper plate. I would be noshing on this as we're walking around. Mm -hmm. Buffy hors d'oeuvres. Love them. Let me circle back. Should we do another head to head matchup in our look back? Cause I picked up Vampironica new blood. Number one. (laughs) I I don't know because I think they're both great reworkings of things that have come before. So I don't feel good about putting putting them against each other because they should exist next to each other. Okay, you, you can't you shouldn't pick one over the other because they both need to be there. Yeah, but we do power rankings at the end of everyone. We we love our power rankings, so that is true. But you all, thanks, you know, producer also, Scott. He was always spinning us up against each other. Also, <laughs> if you listen to like the podcast in the first like year and a half, like we had to do power rankings for beer, and whatever beer you picked over the others, like you're kinda I don't say doomed to drink it, but like that was that was the beer that you drank for the rest of the episode. Yeah, because we used to every episode we'd bring a twelve pack variety. And sometimes it just got really hard and we'd re drink them, but um yeah. Those are the days, huh, boys? Or the big uh, bomber bottles. We going on 11 like years ago? One bomber bottle per person. So it would be four bo- bomber bottles. I remember but you know what else we love? 
We love dramatic readings. And now, a dramatic reading from Star Wars, Age of Republic, Anakin Skywalker, number one, page eight, panel two. A two-prong attack would give us an opportunity to evacuate the Kundun. And that was a dramatic reading from Star Wars, Age of Republic, Anakin Skywalker, number one, page eight, panel two. I just, guys, I don't know how we actually got Hayden Christensen on the show. (laughs) We have the budget? I thought that was, I thought that was pretty good. I did it. I did. It. I, I, did I was it as expecting. Well as I could. I was expecting a lot more anger. You know, like how can you be on the council and not be a master? Uh, I I really during quarantine, I definitely fell into the Star Wars prequels, Clone Wars, just like memory circle jerk. those movies are great but I totally get why people love and appreciate them for what they are and I might not be the biggest fan of Rise of Skywalker and I tried to rewatch it again like last week before I had to go back to work and like I couldn't get into it but I don't discount that movie because I know like you know coming up into the future I'm like go back to everything that we've had from the sequel mm-hmm. trilogy and be like, oh, this is Star Wars. I love Star Wars. I have- I, I love this for what it is, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you just go I in- almost I almost read it as... I almost read it as Darth Vader, too, because I thought that would have been funny, but... I thought going super I, dry would be I, good. I'm not going to pick apart your reading of it. Yeah. I, I would have had a little Thank bit more, you. like... I don't know. A little more, just like that, I like see, that rising, was, like he's angsty on it. Yeah, but also, you know, you can't act his way out of a cardboard box, so you know. I, uh, Kate and I on Amazon Prime uh, just a couple weeks ago, maybe even a month ago, because time has no meaning anymore. No, no meaning. Twenty twenty. Twenty one twenty. It's June, but it feels like it should still <laughs> be March. June, guys. But whatever. Uh, this year is only halfway over and it needed to end like as soon as it started because this year sucks. It's one of the worst years ever. Uh, but anyways, Kate and I on Amazon Prime watched Little Italy, which stars Hayden Christensen. He's a- <laughs> I did not even realize it was him. Kate's like, Kate had to tell me and she's like, no, he, he that was Hayden Christensen. I'm like, Annie? <laughs> Little Annie? Annie? He's grown. <laughs> He's Yes, uh, he was he was a lot of fun in that movie, and I didn't realize it. And he's playing a very Italian kind of guy, and it's kind of funny because it's Little Italy, Toronto, <laughs> not like it, Little Italy, like New York. And uh, uh, Alyssa Milano's in it. So I was, this is from 2018. Yeah, yeah. Alyssa. Hey, Milano's they got those tax cuts. He filmed it in okay. Canada, like everything else. It's definitely like seem more like a lifetime, not a lifetime movie, but one of those like Hallmark Channel movies almost. It was fun, but very light, very like by the book rom coms. Um, 
but I didn't realize it was Hayden Christensen. And even watching the movie, I was like, oh, who's this like no no name actor that's playing this lead character guy? And I actually he doesn't to, have the high ground ever in this. <laughs> I actually had to ask Kate. I'm like, wait, is this guy? Because all the girls in the movie are like swooning over him, and I'm like, is this guy actually sexy, or is it just for the movie? Because it seemed like one of those kind of movies that you could just get whoever they could, and like he's this you know sexy guy. The, and Kate's the, like the dreamboat. Kate's like, no, he's sexy, and I'm like, all right, good to know. It's Anakin Skywalker. So 2018, Hayden Christensen. Apparently, still sexy. I mean, when did the prequels come out? 2003? Yeah. 2003. It's a good-looking dude. He is. No no homo. And I don't I don't mind his acting in that. <laughs> uh, like, in Little Italy. <laughs> I thought you were talking about the prequels. <laughs> For some reason, there is some cartoon or show... And they have like a little Italy, but like they open up their cupboard and it's like a little Italy, but they're all really tiny people. And when you were talking about this and it's like, is Paul talking about a weird dream I had or some weird thing from a show I saw one time? Like, uh, is it from Futurama? Like Little Italy, they actually had like a little Italy. I, I think about Idiot in the Cupboard. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's in the in the, in the, cupboard. In the cupboard, but uh, with the tail. In the movie, Darth Vader is in there, so maybe this is the Star Wars crossover that we never knew we wanted or needed, where it's Little Italy versus Indian in the cupboard versus Star Wars. Okay, guys, 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 we're not here to talk about movies. Let's get Paul, into Paul? the main topic, Paul, where we're Paul. talking about Paul. Paul? Chris, Chris. We're here to talk about movies. Oh, no! Because <laughs> that's going to head into our main topic. Like we said up at the top of the show, time for part 12 of our great Marvel movie retrospective. We're actually looking back at Peyton Reed's Ant-Man from 2015. This is the closing chapter of the Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase 2. We already got Captain, or no, Avengers Age of Ultron ends with that bang. This is kind of that deep breath coming up from the depths. Uh, and we get Ant-Man. And this is this is the movie that I was like, Marvel Universe is gonna fail because Ant-Man, who knows who cares about Ant-Man? Uh, but guys, it turns out you cast an actor that everybody likes as a character that's just generally likable, mm-hmm. you're going to get a hit. And that's what I think is ultimately great about Ant-Man because through all of this, this is one of those movies that I was looking forward to coming back to rewatch. But as we talk about all these movies, I'm like, well, Ant-Man was a lot of fun. I really like that movie. How is it going to hold up? Yeah. Ant-Man really holds up, guys. And it does have its faults. And we'll talk about that in a little bit because it falls into that what you need that antagonist that's kind of the mirror of your hero. Which is a little bit to its detriment, but Ben, ultimately, like, Ant-Man's just a fun rewatch. 
it is. Oh, it's definitely oh. a fun movie. Sorry, Paul. Go ahead. No, uh, I just. That's wanted... all I got. That's all I got. It's a fun movie. <laughs> I like it. Okay, so John can't say anything else for the rest of the episode. <laughs> so, so what I was going to say is, yeah, My it's boys. the dark mirror in, uh, reverse of the hero. Uh, we got Yellow Jacket. Uh, I'm forgetting his Darren Cross. Darren Cross, and they kind of write it off like, oh yeah. If you use the suit and you don't have the right kind of shielding for your head, you become evil. <laughs> like, and that's why he's evil. Like, it, it seems a little like, eh, we have no reason like uh, to make this guy a bad guy. So this is what we're doing. Where Marvel has become a lot better, especially it does like, kind of Black come Panther. out of. It... See, Black Panther kind of suffers from the same. Yeah, but Same thing. And we, that villain is like you. Like you can. Uh, I, I don't want to talk about Black Panther before we get to Black Panther <laughs> right. because we're talking about Ant Man. But I think both this movie and Black Panther kind of suffer from the same thing because they're falling into that. Well, you have to have a villain, the antagonist, to go up against your hero. They're going to be that mirror's reflection. That's the easy, that's the cheap way. And then, because we've got, like, a great Black Panther that comes out of Civil War, you kind of have to strip him down in his solo movie. Ant-Man doesn't kind of have that luxury of being introduced in something and you're getting into it like, all right, like I'm on board with Ant-Man. So I feel like they kind of dumb it down a little bit, but at this point... We're 12 movies into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I don't think you need to have someone that has that exact same skill set, power, armor as your hero to have it be an interesting movie. But you also have... You also have a script written by one person who is planning to direct it, who then leaves, and then they bring in kind of a cavalcade of different people to work on the script, punch it up, make it more funny, do this, do this. So what we get is actually really good considering how many hands were in the were in the pot. Yeah, cuz ultimately this movie originally uh penned and who was supposed to direct it uh, Edgar Wright, who you may know from stuff like Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz. Uh, oh my gosh, I'm blanking. End of the World? Oh, At World's End. At World's End, thank you. The, the pub movie. I, I That's the one like Cornetto trilogy movie that I actually don't own. Um, but yeah, Edgar Wright was supposed to be helming this movie. He actually kind of spearheaded it. And if you had gone to San Diego Comic-Con back in 2014, you would have seen a clip of footage that he had actually shot kind of launching this character into the Marvel universe. Uh, Ultimately that kind of Disney creative differences led to him leaving this project, but then director Peyton Reed came onto it and as much as I think I would love to see an Edgar Wright Ant-Man, I think the Peyton Reed Ant-Man we got definitely still kind of scratches that itch because 
after we get our big crazy Avengers crossover movie, you need that. Just all right, smaller story, catch your breath. Ant Man's great for that because it, this does definitely stand alone as a great superhero movie, but it kind of weaves its way into that greater Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, right from the get go. And before we get into anything else, this movie starts with a flashback where you're getting like the beginnings of Shield because you have the de-aged um, Michael Douglas there. Yeah. Again, special effects, fantastic, because this is like a younger Michael Douglas that you're going to see in later parts. But then you're also getting a younger Howard Stark there. Peggy Carter's appearing. Like, this is Shield's formulative years. Uh, a little bit dissension happening. But as you'll learn later on, like, well, no, that's kind of undercut because Hydra is still that looming threat. Um, but right from the get-go, like, no, this is a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. But the next thing you're going to see is Paul Rudd as Scott Lang getting his exit ritual from prison. But that's when, like, the fun and the heart really comes into it because that's that's really what makes this movie work, I think. Do you guys think uh, that yeah, def- if we had... Go ahead, Paul. If we had a better, like, more Guardians of the Galaxy vi- uh, style soundtrack, that that would have improved this movie? I, I I would say no. Because what song's playing when Scott Lang's walking out of prison? I don't know. Well, exactly. Don't know. Would, would that but but that's the thing, like, that... By that. That doesn't matter because we get that later on with um, Ragnarok, like a better soundtrack, and it kind of elevates these movies a little bit. I think. Am I, well, even I, that, I, you maybe complain I'm the only one that they use that. You even complain that they use that song too much. Well, because they use it in the beginning and they liked, use it at the end. I would have liked the second song. I would have liked something a little. Bit. Yeah. Let's not put that cost of money. Yeah. But see, I have no problem, like, because, yeah, I might not know that song, but you're seeing Scott Lang, like, fighting someone in prison, and then it's like, oh, hey, gonna miss you, buddy. Yeah. And then he's in the van with uh, Luis played by Michael Pena. And it's like, well, hey, let me catch you up on, like, what's been happening with me, because I used to be your cellmate. Just that, like, 40 seconds of dialogue between the two of them. I know both of these characters so well, and I'm in it. And I think a lot of that's just due to the likability of Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd's just like an awesome dude that I want to be as my friend. No offense to you guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's like just the humanity you're, between you're watching those two. I, I'm stuck with you guys. I would rather have you be Paul Rudd. But there's a humanity that you see between Luis and Scott that you're like, okay, I want to see what happens to these two guys. And Michael Pena is incredibly likable. You know, he, he's another one of those characters that you just, you instantly, you instantly like. And my mom died. Got the van though. <laughs> like that's, that's a win for that character. And as a, 
a viewer of the stream, like, no, like, okay, like, yeah, he's got out of prison. He's up against so much. He's got the fan. I'm on board. And the next batch is, like, just trying to see Scott get his feet back underneath him. And you're learning more about his character. Okay. He's got an ex-wife. His wife, he's got a kid. He's on the outs with all of them. He can't keep a job. He's at Baskin Robbins. Baskin Robbins always finds out. The chips are up against him no matter what. He doesn't want to fall back into that criminal lifestyle, but that's kind of all that's there for him. Uh, and, and his ex-wife is now married to a cop. Uh, and then also shout out to uh, T.I. who plays Dave. And they, I, I'm going to mess up the pronunciation here, but David uh, Desimulsion? Again, pronunciation. Sorry, not good with all names. Uh, but this is, we're going to see like the ex-con crew come together. Thank you. Uh, but you're seeing him team up with a bunch of other ex-cons that are trying to make, trying to make it right. But all they know is just kind of falling back into that criminal lifestyle. But it's not done in a terrible, heavy way. Like, we find out through this that the whole reason that Scott's in jail is because he found that loophole and he was stealing or embezzling money, I guess, from like a security company to help people. It's not done in just like yeah, a they, terrible, it was oh, he's a criminal. Who, it's like, no. Yeah. It was like a... He gave stuff. money back to... Yeah, he gave money back to people who were robbed out of their own money from this company and he gave their got them their money back or the money they they were owed like it was a mm-hmm. white collar crime but he was actually doing the right thing um yeah and it, again it makes him incredibly more likable that he's he it wasn't in jail for just stealing from people he's not just a thief but then it's what the i right think is weird is yeah but then I do think it's weird that he's like this master cat burglar when he's breaking into Hank Pym's house. You know, he's jumping up, climbing up the thing. He's swishing this. He's doing that. He's then making the fingerprint thing to well, just to do the just sensor. because you have like your masters and like electronics yeah. doesn't mean you can't be. Electrical engineering. And uh, remember, this movie came out in 2015. Parkour. Parkour. Everybody loved parkour. And I, he, loves, think, he loves learning things from YouTube, as we learn in the next movie. Close up magic. I, I think that was, just, that was just one of the things. Like, he happened to be like a very acrobatic person that just specializes in, in electronics. Like, that's where he had his masters. Like, it it works for the character. Like, Would you but like- then also like the other thing I was like, we find out later that yeah, Hank Pym knew what he was capable of and pretty much creates the perfect crime for him 
to break into his house to steal the Ant-Man suit because that's that's all that's there for him. So he can later become the Ant-Man to infiltrate Pintech to get the Yellow Jacket suit away from Darren Cross. Like, Hank Pym's kind of so ahead of the game that we also are along with Scott because, like, no, like, the board's been set, like, 12 pieces ago. We're all just in the catch-up. Yeah, well, Hank Pym, he's an ancient of S.H.I.E.L.D. He should be able to basically set up all the pieces on the board to where they want him so he can manipulate the situation so it ends the way he wants. Um, this is where we get introduced I, to... Oh, go ahead. No, I go ahead, Chris. I, I was just going to... I was going to go the same way. I was going to introduce uh, Livy. Uh, I forgot her name now. Uh, Lillian... What's, it, what's the actress's Evangeline. name? Evangeline. Evangeline. Lily? Lily. Uh, playing... Uh, the Wasp, whose name is Hope Pym, right? Hope Hope, Hope Van Dyne. Hope Van Dyne. Yeah, right, right. Uh, this is the character from... Uh, this is the actress from Lost? This is... Everybody was yes. like, oh, yeah, this is... And this is the Hobbit movies. Was she in The Hobbit at that time? Or was The Hobbit after? Uh, I think The Hobbit was after. Because uh, not, I think, not no, by I a think, lot. I think the movie had a lot of nerd cred because she was going to be, the, you know, Hope Van Dyne in this movie. And uh, no, Hobbit, Hobbit was before. Mm. Oh, okay. Okay. T- time. It, it's fuzzy. It's a wibbly wobbly mess. Timey wimey. Um, Timey wimey. <sighs> the thing with. She's she's you know, comes off very cold, very stern, as she should. Um, I still don't. And half of it's that haircut. But that, but that's that's the wasp haircut. Like it, it fits to that. Oh, I know. It does. Uh, and I think uh, also um, with jeez, uh, I can't. Uh, Michael Douglas as Hank Pym. I think he's perfect casting. And I think I don't think this movie would be as good if it wasn't Hank Pym working with um Paul Scott Lang's, Lang's character. Scott Lang, thank Scott you. Scott Lang. Uh I think it's because you have the old guard and the new guard together. I think that helps this movie. And um yeah, and I think having the villain be someone who's trying to prove himself or outshine what would be both Scott and his mentor is that kind of thing. The throwaway line of, you know, oh, the suit makes you go crazy. I think it would have been a little bit better if, you know, uh, Cross was just really pissed that he chose that guy to entrust his secrets. It's this guy. See, I, it's this criminal. It's this nothing. And Meg and have it, him just be... I think you also kind of get that, though, because you're getting those notes from Hope, though, where it's like, no, you're, you're trusting this guy. Like, I've been... I was born and bred for this. Like, I've been alongside you 
And I think that's that's a better handling of that kind of relationship between Scott and Hope than you're getting from Darren and uh, not just Scott, but like that relationship with Darren and Hank. Because you don't want Darren to succeed. You want to see Hope succeed because, yeah, she's she's rightfully owed that that mantle. But it does come out later in the the movie where it's like, no, he lost his wife because because of this. Like, no fault of his his own or her own. Like, Janet's she chose, gone. She chose to be a hero. She chose, and, but he doesn't want to lose his link to that with his daughter. Like he's trying to remove her from it. And this, this criminal, like he doesn't care if this guy winds up biting it because no, he's, he's a criminal. Like this is a soldier I can put on that front line. Like again, he's a drone. He's an ant that he can have do the footwork for him. And if something happens, well, don't worry about it because I got other ants I can pick from. Mm-hmm. He's expensive. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, yeah, but I'm saying it makes more sense for Cross to be as malicious and the villain because he's more upset with his mentor picking Scott Lang versus him to entrust with all this stuff. He even that's said, all like, I'm saying. Darren Cross but, even uh, says it too. <coughs> yeah, but, why you? But that makes more sense to me than a throwaway line about if you don't have the right shielding, it'll make you go crazy. And then he's bad because he's already bad. Mm-hmm. He's, he's killing guys in bathrooms. He's, he's already a I bad th- guy. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry. I think, but I think that's kind of that plot point where it's like, well, how do you go from being just like the intelligent billionaire? Like that wants that technology to be like, well, I'm going to go to your protagonist family's house, kidnap the daughter because I want you now, Scotland. I think that's kind of how they try to bridge that gap where it's like, well, why would he go after Cassie, you know, Scotland's daughter besides just, he wants the power. He wants the money. Like, I think that was like, well, no, now he's crazy. He's, he's going small picture. But I think also just somebody who's, I mean, you've already seen him kill anybody. You know, he kills that guy in the bathroom. He's already planning on this. So it's being just an asshole and malicious and wanting to destroy everything about Scott Lang. I think that makes more sense than, oh, he went tiny and went crazy. You know? That's all. That's, well, it's that's, not. It's not. He went tiny, went crazy. I think you see that change when he gets like batted into the the bug zapper, and then like he gets shocked. And I think that was the moment where it's like, no, he's not just going up against Hank Pym and his legacy. It's now like I need to make this personal. I'm going after Scott and his family. I think that's kind of like the the delineation. I think. Yeah, and I, I I don't want to talk. We don't have to talk anymore about this. I'm just saying, I think it. Yeah. He's already proven himself as a bad guy. But, but Paul has Paul has things to say. He's pointing to himself. He's been doing it. So Go ahead. Know, what's up, bud? 
I know none of us have watched The Last Dance, the Michael J- or Jordan uh, ESPN series that's basically been his documentary. And I know none of us uh, have seen Lance, the Lance Armstrong documentary series that's now on ESPN. Uh, but I've listened to it. I watched the right. Bo Jackson Paul's, one. Paul's right. <laughs> but they, but uh, both of these uh, documentaries have basically framed these people as being highly driven and high, having a high need to win. And the one thing that well, Michael Jordan do, owed money to the mob from gambling debt. So continue. Uh, and the one thing that they both do is create rivalries that they then need to crush because they have to win. Michael Jordan did this apparently all the time, even though other players were like, "I'm happy to just to be on the same court with Michael. I'm glad to be on the same team with Michael." And Michael's like. I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to dominate you. Like on the court, he just becomes vicious. I think that highly driven, motivated, wanting to be the top of his game kind of thing you could see in Darren Cross, where he now says, "Oh, it, it, just this you know thief comes along. He's my rival. I must not only just win. I got to dominate, destroy, <laughs> and just and that's why he goes after his whole family and everything because." You know, they kind of... And in the documentary, uh, The Last Dance, apparently, and also in Lance, they show these, both uh, Lance Armstrong and Michael Jordan, to be a little bit crazy. To, like, start almost fights with people for no reason, just because they just build up these rivalries in their own heads. Was the Michael Jordan one because he got brought into the Toon world? And then had to play in a basketball game Versus for his Mon freedom. Stars? Uh, no. But why did he grow the Hitler mustache in those Hanes commercials? Because he was trying to reclaim it. Mm. Taking it back. Taking it back. Taking it back. Empowerment. <laughs> hey, Charlie Chaplin, have you tried to think about a new mustache? No, I had it before uh. that asshole. Uh, but again, like, getting back into, into Ant-Man out of uh, Space Jam and Greatest Dictator territory. Uh, I really, brought it back already with you, you did. Cross you did. driven and that kind of personality yeah, and, type. And you did. And we always appreciate you and that, that viewpoint, Paul. Uh, <laughs> but this movie does take place in the greater Marvel Cinematic Universe, of course. Uh, I do appreciate the use of a montage where you're seeing Scott Lang learn about all the different types of ants and how to work with them. I do have to say, I really like the scene where, oh, hey, you're just going to have to go to this this warehouse where a piece of my tech's waiting. We're going to need that to get back into PIM tech. Uh, it turns out that that warehouse is now the new Avengers facility. Mm-hmm. And it's not just a quick in and out because we get our, I guess, besides Haley Atwell as Peggy Carter, we get our big Avengers kind of cameo here with Anthony Mackie as the Falcon going up against Tic Tac. Uh, a really fun meeting because we're now really seeing Scott in the in the greater Marvel universe here now. 
And it's a lot it's a lot of fun seeing him go up against the Falcon because he's just kind of popping into this world, but he's kind of holding his own. Oh, he more than holds his own. It's to the point where the Falcon and years later they have finally confirmed who the Falcon's talking to. It's Black Widow. Oh, I did, I did not see that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, years it was well, like one of those like things that popped up on my you know, Google News, like, hey, so-and-so <laughs> confirms. I'm thinking it was one of the Russo brothers confirms that it was Black Widow. Uh, that's in the compound. compound. Uh, yeah. And we basically see Scott Lang do the same trick in Civil War. Like, other than that scene, though, we have one newspaper clipping that Scott lands on while he's down in ad form that shows uh, Sokovia. This movie, without that Avengers raid scene, this movie could pl- take place anywhere as long as it's before Captain America Civil War. Mm-hmm. And I like to watch it now when I go back before Avengers Age of Ultron. Um, because just because I once after Age of Ultron, I want to get into the rest of the stuff real quick because. You know we're in phase three now, and I just want to hit the hit the ground running. I, it could. I just for me it works just seeing because we know who. Uh, excuse me. Hiccups. After Winter Soldier, we know who like Falcon is. Mm-hmm. He's kind of leading into it. They're at that facility, so you had to have seen. Yeah, I, I watch this right Winter after Soldier. Winter Soldier. Um, I, I don't want to get hung up too much on like the post credit stuff because jumping ahead, we do get the post credit scene where it is them kind of on the run. It's Falcon and Captain America, mm-hmm. and they've already captured Bucky. Um, we don't know how much time has passed between that post credit scene and the actual movie. So, it, it, when I rewatch these movies now, I do not watch the post credit scenes because they do not actually. Line. But Paul, we talk about them on the show. I know we talk about them on the show, but as a fan of these movies, and when I go back to enjoying them personally for myself, I don't watch the post credit scenes because they. I feel like they're mostly out of continuity. And. Especially for the And that's not that's not wrong. Like as much as I defended like no, you have to you have to watch it. Even in retrospect, going from movie to movie, phase to phase, a lot of it, even the stuff with Thanos, the directors, like the Russes themselves have been like, Well, no, like that doesn't take place when you actually saw it because at that point Thanos doesn't know. Like Again, it it's all Hibbly bitterly, Tommy Wimey. Because mm-hmm. no matter what, it's an easy- I'm going to I'm going to watch Guardians of the Galaxy Volume yeah. One and Two back to back. That's a double feature from now on. A lot of it, it's done as <laughs> an Easter egg to make you like be like, oh, like it's that like oh moment. And you can <laughs> you can watch these movies whenever you want. I don't have a particular order when I watch them. Like if I feel like watching. A Captain America movie, I just decide which one I want to watch. If I want to watch 
Ant-Man, I just think about, well, I think I had more fun with one than I did with two. So I watched that. Like, I don't have a set of rules of when and how or which ones I'm going to watch. But, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a stickler. I watch things chronologically. At, at the start of qu- the quarantine, or at the start of the plague, Kate and I, we started watching them in, you know, just throughout. Uh, and I came up with my own order that I kind of enjoyed. Yeah, and you, you have every right to do that. You could do that. I did it. Nobody's going to tell you not to. And Chris, wow. I think it's kind of crazy just to, like, have to watch it in order. Like, if you're in the mood for a Captain America movie, you have to start from the beginning of all the movies and get I, to a Captain America movie? Or? I don't, because if I'm in the mood for a Captain America movie, I'm going to watch Winter Soldier. If I'm in the mood for an Avengers movie, Civil it's just War. really good. I'm going to watch Captain America Civil War because it's that great. It's, and it's it the is. best Avengers movie. It, it is, even though it's a Captain America movie. Um, but I, I like to watch all the movies chronologically, just because they're they're great, and I like seeing what leads into what. And that's you know, part of the fun of doing this. Uh, also, part of the fun of doing this is just paying respects to the references that they make to everything else. Um, once we get the XCON crew infiltrating Pimtech. Uh, we get Luis trying to fly under the radar. What's better than dressing apart and whistling? Uh, Luis is whistling the It's a Small World theme. It's a small world paying homage to the Disney small world attraction. Disney owns Marvel. Boom. You get that kind of fun note there. And that's kind of also reminiscent of when you get Ultron singing the Pinocchio No Strings on Me song. Uh, Disney owns Marvel. Hey, we know this. We've been talking about it for like eight years now. It happens. It's still kind of fun to see those, you know, references in the movies. Uh, I have to say Uh, that they're in San Francisco. So Luis could constantly be going down to Disneyland. Anaheim's right there. It's right there. It's in the Bay Area, so it's it's you bad might. as like a Disney fan who's never been to Disneyland because I live like twenty minutes away from Disney World. That's kind of my like my go to. Like I want to go to Disneyland sometime. So Fortieth I have birthday, guys. I have looked into trips. I do want to go to Disneyland at some point. Airfare is just expensive. LAX is expensive to fly into. Not um, right now. But can you guys? Can you guys like just marvel? Pun, marvel at that. Like we don't get our Stan Lee cameo until the very end of the movie. Is, because is Stan Lee is—is hmm? is he on the boardwalk? Is that when it happens? I—I've already forgotten. Oh no, we don't. We don't get our Stan Lee cameo until the very end, where Luis is telling Scott about the person. Oh. Who knows the person that knows someone's looking for him? Mm-hmm. That Stanley is actually like the bartender at the place that heard from somebody that knows somebody that someone's looking for Scott. Yeah, we got all stor- sorts of guys. Guy, now we got we got a guy that walks out walls. We got a guy that yeah, which again, like I I have that written down here oh, in my okay, notes. Good. Good. We're getting that reference to Spider-Man before Spider-Man had even been 
like that reference coming up to Captain America Civil War, which is the next Marvel Cinematic Universe look forward to part 13. Um, Because even when Civil War had been announced as like the next Marvel movie, people were like, well, you can't do Civil War without Spider-Man in it. We didn't have that deal that kind of allowed the sharing of these two characters. And even now, like, here we are, June 2020, I can't go on to Disney Plus and watch Spider-Man Homecoming because technically not a Marvel Disney movie. Like, I'm glad I have it on DVD. I'm going to have to go buy uh, Far From Homes uh, whenever we... Paul, don't shake your head. I'm going to buy it because I want to have it in my collection. It's not a bad movie. It's, oh, well, it's a good movie. I have not seen it. Why are you shaking, you your, shaking head? your head? Because I don't think you need to. I don't think you need to see it. What do you mean you don't? It's okay. okay. It because it happens it? after Infinity War. It happens after Endgame. It doesn't exist. <laughs> you, you ready for a podcast throwback? Why are we friends with Paul? <laughs> Paul, it's such a it's a great Spider-Man movie. I'll see it when it's free. <laughs> You'll see it when we talk about it for the podcast. I'll <laughs> see it when it's free. Uh, but yeah, uh, heading into the post-credits stuff, uh, we get a little bit of that Captain America Falcon stuff leading us into Civil War because they've already captured Bucky. Falcon knows the guy that can help them out. Uh, but then we're also going to get the uh, post-credits scene that's going to lead us into the next Ant-Man movie that we're not going to see for a couple years. Where, yes, they do have a wasp suit that's been built for Hope. Uh, prototype style, we'll see that in Ant-Man and the Wasp, which is also a fantastic movie. But yeah, we're a couple years down the road now. We've got like eight more Marvel movies to get to that point. Um, guys, Ant-Man. I really like this movie. I officially watched it twice before we recorded this episode because, you know, we talk about the movie we're watching. You watch the next one leading up to the episode. As soon as we talked about Age of Ultron, I watched Ant-Man I just watched it and enjoyed it. And then I had to go back and rewatch it so I could take my notes for this episode. Ant-Man's just a fun superhero movie. Whether you're like uh, leading it into that Marvel Cinematic Universe or not, like it's it's a fun movie. I think it suffers when you have to weigh it against the rest of the Marvel mm-hmm. movies. But as a standalone, I think it's I think it's fantastic. I think so too. It's a lot of fun. I had a couple of weeks ago, I had started it and um, I went in and I was like, oh, I didn't finish it. So I played the end of the movie, basically when they're doing the heist. And then I went back and started watching the beginning again, just to be, have a refresher to it. And I, I can't say that I hated it. I, I loved it. I think it's... Uh, I, you sh- I, I, I don't think, think you should hate this movie. I think if you no, hate I this movie, so there's either. something wrong in your soul. I'm John, I'm not talking to you now. I'm talking to listeners as a whole. If you hate this movie, there is something deeply wrong in your soul. And you need to figure that out. Because this, this movie is just a lot of fun. 
even if it's not one of your top tier Marvel movies, I there's nothing wrong with it. Ah, I got something wrong with it. Okay, well, what do you find wrong? With it? So tell me, so I can tell you you are wrong. Okay, and then and then fix this behavior. <laughs> so and then Scott just Lang. remember, remember, uh, nineteen years that we've been friends. Yeah, that we've been telling you you're wrong. You're <laughs> that whole time. So Scott Lang, he's a street level kind of like he's taken off the street. He he's, he's a, a white knight, white knight thief, white knight, uh, gold, white collar. a thief with a golden heart. Most people would say heart of gold, but continue. Golden heart, heart of gold. Uh, and he's that like everyday working man kind of hero. He's making those jokes that we would make if we were in a similar situation, if we were that clever. I'm not that clever, so I want to make those jokes. And since it's so street level and grounded, well, the character is, it seems to, there, there seems to be a disconnect with all the... Yeah, CGI that already starts to seem dated now, and I know when I watch this back next year and the year after, it's just going to look more and more dated. Unlike the practical effects that happened with the original Iron Man, which still hold up, um, like when he goes down into the sink, you know, and then meets the ants for the first time, it looks dated. And there's that disconnect of the character who's the working class everyman, and then these over-the-top CGI special effects. That's my only, like, real criticism of this movie as a movie. Is it fun? Yes. Is it a great superhero movie? It's not a great superhero movie. It's a passable superhero movie. It's better than some of the movies that we've watched, but it's not going to be top tier. It's Paul. And I think it's because of that. Do you like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? No, he's never seen it. What? I've seen it once. (laughs) When I was a kid, and they ate a oatmeal raisin cream Little Debbie thing. And I'm like, okay, this all is happening. I don't care. (laughs) That's the the thing that gets you. Nothing in that movie makes me care. Wow. Okay. And they start a okay, and then they start a fire, a tiny fire. And there's no way to start a tiny fire. Either it's there's you, you it's either burning and then it'll burn out the fuel that's there. There's no way to keep a fire tiny. It Oh, don't act like oh the science about it. We're talking about Ant Man, and you're talking we're about, talking about Wayne Zelensky. No, no, we're talking point. about Wayne Zelensky and starting Honey I Shrunk the Kids. Ant Man, they they're smart enough to not start a tiny little fire because that's stupid. Uh, okay, uh, well, I was going to try to make a point, but my whole point was based on the fact that I thought you had a childhood, so I, I guess not. <laughs> that. Yeah, Chris. I was Chris, born you, a forty-eight-year-old man, and I'm not even forty-eight yet. Honey, oh, I Shrunk the Kids is such a great movie to see again as a kid. You guys that, remember the one episode no, see, where we recorded where we called up my dad to ask him 
whether or not I liked animated movies when I was growing up and was a kid. And he's like, no, you didn't like much as a kid. And I'm like, thank you, Dad. And we hung well, up the phone. Uh, Paul, the only thing you liked as a kid was the hard sweat of a day's work on your brow. So maybe not. <laughs> okay. Well, my my That's whole, the only like, thing I can keep point. as my own. I earned I have, that sweat. That's mine. I, I was going to try to throw it back mm. to just nostalgia because Honey, I Shrunk the Kids growing up as a kid, like, this kind of hit that same note where it's like, no, like, oh my gosh, I want to ride around in the backyard on that ant. Like, he he's that white collar, like that white knight criminal. Like, he, Paul Rudd's so likable. Like, a lot kind of filters into liking this as a movie, even with its faults, because I don't think it's the best Marvel origin story. I think it kind of suffers because at this point, again, we're 12 movies into the cinematic universe. We've seen origin stories done. We've seen them done better, but I think as a standalone, this is a, a really fun movie. So John, like, Go ahead, because I kind of need to figure out where I'm putting this in the list. Oh, you Can want me I to do my list? Can I just talk about Indian in the Cupboard real quick? I mean, <laughs> I think more people need to talk about Indian in the Cupboard. So, yes, please, go ahead. I got in trouble in, what was it, fourth grade when we read Most likely the fourth grade, because I think that's when I read it. So, yeah. Uh, because I actually brought up the point that the little cowboy couldn't start a tiny fire in the room. Because there's no way to actually burn this tired fire. And I'm like, wait, was the Kindle? I honestly thought. Like, shrunk as well? Like, what happened here? This book, this whole book is stupid. I hated it. And it. I I, I honestly thought you were going to go as like, we had to read this book, and I got in trouble because I was like, this is impossible. No cupboard (laughs) makes things alive. I only know cupboards to kill things. Like,. You have such weird things that you take your stand on, like, this magical thing where you turn a key and whatever's in the cupboard becomes alive. I'm okay with that. But that motherfucker tried to start a tiny fire, and that is impossible. That is impossible. Yes, you but, asked me uh, suspension. Paul, would a bridge to Terabithia be so far? Do you want yes. to take apart all kids' knowledge? I'm just saying... Okay, you set up the rules. This cabinet's magical. Okay, I'll buy in. Magical cabinet. All right, now he starts a fire in the room. Wait, 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 wait. Is the whole room magic? Is the whole room magic? Well, I mean, what are we doing? We're throwing out all here's... the rules? Then nothing matters. <laughs> nothing makes sense. We can just die now. It's fine. Well, I mean, you've already thrown out the rules because you have a magic box that turns inanimate objects alive. No, you've no, already they thrown set it up out. a rule. That's the rule. The magic box turns things alive. That's a rule that's not set in this world. Okay. Okay. But there's how times about, how I about love the fact having that Paul this... as a friend. I don't, I... There's times that I hate having Paul as a friend. This is both of those. Continue. I, I honestly wanted to just like get into this whole thing and be like, well, what if this didn't happen in our world, but a parallel world where they had this magic box, and on this parallel world, they were able to car- start these tiny fires? But I don't want to do that. I don't want to get into this <laughs> I, with you. <laughs> John, 
I never would have thought Indian in the cupboard would have been the sticking point for this episode, but it somehow turned into that. It happened. Nobody knew about it. Nobody was prepared for it. Indian Nobody in the cupboard, Bagnabord 409 is the 2020 hey, of the podcast history. That's uh, why they play the games on Sunday, guys. That's why we record and we're at least three beers in. This is, I'm, this is I'm what happens. This I've is had magic. six fancy papers from Cigar City. It's a great beer. I love it. Um, but yeah, so thank you, uh, Producer Scott. You introduced the power ratings. We'll get into it. Um, for me, when it comes down to where this movie places in the greater Marvel Cinematic Universe, I would kind of put this uh, in my one, two, three, four... This isn't my number five spot. I would put this behind Winter Soldier, Age of Ultron, Avengers, Guardians of the Galaxy. So this is placing before Iron Man 2. Um, this is just a great, fun superhero movie. And it just kind of happens to take place in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It doesn't shoehorn itself in. I think the moments that you get that kind of put it in this universe make sense. Um, which is why I put it before Iron Man 2, because Iron Man 2, I think, sets up so much of the universe. Go back and listen to that episode that it at one point was my favorite MCU movie. Uh, I think Ant-Man's just a great superhero introductory movie. I think it's handled better than we got in Captain America or Thor or Incredible Hulk, definitely. Uh, this is kind of like my middle run number five movie. I, I love it. I have a lot of fun with it. And I would, I would probably put it as my number five, but I think this movie is like my number four is Iron Man. Uh, my number, you know, my number one winter soldier guarding the galaxies, Avengers, Iron Man. And I would say Iron Man slash Ant-Man because they are, very reminiscent. The, the yeah. same thing happens in both of them. You know, they fight. They fight a guy with the same powers. At the end, are they going to beat him? Ooh, who knows? But they do. Uh, I think they're they're kind of the same movie. Um, you have the same kind of very likable character with Robert Downey Jr. and Paul Rudd. Uh, yeah, I I'd put it. I'd put it as my number. My number five. Paul? Uh, I'm going to put it as my one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh, seventh movie. Uh, I think it's a decent intro to the character. If I didn't get this movie and I just get his intro in Civil War, would I be that upset? Uh, yeah, maybe. I'm glad that we see him here. I'm working through my feelings right now. Um, <laughs> no, but again, that, that's kind of what we we do this for. Like yeah. you're looking back on everything that's happened before with the current knowledge that you have. So, yeah, yeah I, like I, I, I'm happy we get this intro. I think it's a decent intro. I think it's better than Thor's. I think it's better than. So I'm putting it above uh, the original Thor. 
I'm putting it above uh, Iron Man 3 and Iron Man 2 and The Dark World. Did we never rate the Hulk? Did we drop the Hulk? Oh, no. That's that's on the bottom of all. That's on everybody's... Oh, basically their bottom. Keep keep looking down. It's there. Yeah, so it's it's near the bottom for me. It's... Wow. It's not... not, It's right in the middle for you. It's... Okay. Basically right in the middle. Yeah. It's... It's two spots down from you guys, or, yeah, two spots down, or one spot down from you guys, Would, so not all I, that far off. I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to, like, polish a turd, either, because I, I really enjoy this movie. Two spots down from us is still, like, above half the movies that have come out in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like, there's, I think that's kind of still a glowing recommendation for this movie. Uh and I think a lot of it is just based off of Paul Rudd as Scott Lang. Like, there's just such an innate likability to this character that it's hard to make these kind of blanket statements without having someone else in that role. But I'll say it. I don't think if anyone else was cast in this role, I don't think it would have placed as high on my list. Paul Rudd just has that je ne sais quoi that puts it as like, no, I see Paul Rudd on screen. I'm gonna like it. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 that's the reason why it's so high on my list as well. It's, it's Paul Rudd. It's uh, Michael Douglas. I I don't really love uh, Lily. Evangelina Lily. Evangelina Lily. I think she's a little stiff. I don't get the chemistry I, there. I like Judy We didn't Green. talk about it too much. I think... I hope, like, uh, like eventually in the league, that could have been anybody. You just want to see that kind of character note hit, and it didn't matter who's playing that character. They probably could have hit that. I, I don't want to say spoiled child because we don't see too much of her, but it's like that scorn child. I think is an easier role to play than the every man that you you're rooting for, no matter what. Agreed. And if you agree, find us over on Facebook. Uh, Find us wherever your uh, podcast listening device. Rate us and review us there. It helps other people find the podcast. And uh, as always, thank you for listening.